What's up, Bikerware fans? My guest today is Jason Huntsman, president of Serial One, which is the e-bike brand coming from none other than Harley-Davidson. Yes, they raised a few eyebrows when they announced they were launching an electric bike brand, but one look at the designs and it shows they've done their homework. In this episode, we'll talk about how Jason's aerospace experience working on the space shuttle and his e-mobility efforts at Ford led him to Harley-Davidson, and now to leading their e-bike efforts at Serial One. It's an interesting look at how they see the market, how and why bicycles fit into their motorcycle business, and some of the unique features and designs they've used to create a bike that should hold its own on the streets. Please welcome Jason Huntsman. Hey Jason, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hi Tyler, it's going well. Happy to be here. Good, yeah, well thanks for making the time. Um, okay, top level. You know, Harley's known for definitely not quiet, smooth e-bikes. Um, you know, like why start an e-bike brand and what's going to make Serial One kind of stand out from the rest? Uh, you know, I can go into this a little bit with my background, but I've always been sort of um, doing new ventures, both outside of corporations and inside of corporations, especially with uh, electric vehicle and mobility. And, you know, when we were looking at this inside of Harley, it's an opportunity to extend, you know, Harley's fun freedom adventure on two wheels in the format of an electric bicycle. And so, you know, when you look at what a rider is getting out of or the enjoyment, the health benefits and things that they're getting out of an e-bike um, and, and just the trends and growth in the industry in general, it would make sense, you know, at the time when we were when we were sort of discussing it as a strategy perspective that if you really want to own two-wheel freedom, this is a space where you need to be, where you need to play and you, and you need to win. And so that was the kind of the initial going after this sort of space from Harley-Davidson's perspective. And it kind of widened the customer funnel as well. You know, I don't think we anyone expected at the time when we were inside Harley-Davidson that all of these e-bike riders would matriculate to, you know, large touring motorcycles. I don't think that was ever the uh, impression or we never took that. Maybe some would. But it was, again, an opportunity for us as a brand and, and as we establish a culture to really give that opportunity for fun, freedom, and adventure on two wheels. Now, how is Serial One different? You know, we really tried to, and I'll get into this a lot in the discussion, but we really tried to come at it from, I would say, from the ground up. We didn't slap a badge on a vehicle. We designed our bikes from the ground up, and I can get into that. But we're going after making riding a little more accessible. Bikes are great for a traditional cyclist, but they're also great for maybe someone that doesn't see themselves or doesn't think they're a traditional cyclist uh, to hop on and have, have you know, a lot of fun and enjoyment on an e-bike. That's cool. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the, um, the way you mentioned it of matriculating the or, you know, just kind of grooming that e-bike rider up to a Harley owner. I was thinking of the totally opposite of like, you got these Harley owners, they'll maybe if they're going to buy an e-bike brand, they'll go this way. I was thinking it completely reverse direction there. Well, let's back up for a minute. You came from Ford where you worked on some e-mobility projects. And before that, I believe you were in the aerospace industry. So what'd you do there? I worked on the space shuttle program. Very cool. Doing uh, what? Um, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, you can, you know, you can brag that you're a rocket scientist, but which is, I think, the opposite of e-mobility. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'll be honest, I didn't really like it. The reason I didn't like it was because I didn't feel like the product life cycles were quick enough to make you know, a lasting impact on society, at least at the time. Now, that has sped up a, you know, 
a lot since since I left the industry. But at the time, I wanted to I, I kind of wanted to you know change my career direction into something that was where I felt like I was making a difference, and I really dove deep into um, you know electric vehicle technology, both at Ford and at Harley Davidson. And so I don't even come at the you know serial one. I don't come at serial one with a with kind of a, a bicycle industry knowledge or mentality at all. Um, you know, there's people on our team that are definitely from, you know, from the industry core. Uh, but I come from, again, from more of that mobility and, um, you know, how can we make people enjoy their journey from point A to point B in a more sustainable way? Which is maybe not what I would hope for is that kind of like progression of maybe we could make rocket bikes instead of e-bikes. <laughs> yeah, why not? Probably not as sustainable there. You're still burning something. At Ford, like what were your kind of e-mobility projects at Ford? Um, so the first electric vehicle that Ford put on the road, most people maybe, I don't even know if they remember or recognize it, was an electric van. Hmm. And so, um, you know, that was the first electric vehicle to hit the road. And that was by mandate at the time of, you know, the, the CEO there. And then I, I did a lot of um, work on electric vehicle strategy, how do we how do we tie EVs into the into the core portfolio over time? And then a lot of venture investing with you know startups and with other technologies that were not necessarily in the core automotive space yet, but needed to be if we were going to build a you know an, an internal capacity for those types of vehicles long term. Huh. Yeah, I guess I mean I know like with traditional cars i mean i just i can speak to car stereo because i was a geek on that stuff when i was in high school but like a lot of them re- relied on like ac delco for stereos and stuff and you rely on different partners for different parts is it a lot the same with uh electric vehicles where you know you know like they're good at the chassis and the design and then they need somebody for the batteries for the motor for blank 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 well, I mean, if you think about it, and this is just generally, whether you're Ford Motor Company or you're Harley-Davidson Motor Company, you better own the motor. <laughs> and so, and so when you when you think of design and and capability in 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 these kind of new technologies, you, you don't want to be the person just assembling everything together, because then you lose your core strength and you and you kind of lose your core reason for belonging in the space. And so you you might start out that way. You know, a lot of electric vehicles from a, num- a number of manufacturers start out as sort of a convolution of a bunch of startups that you stuck together and tried to sort of make a vehicle out of it. And I certainly experienced um, some pieces of that. Uh, but but long term for for any large you know transportation uh, consumer company, you know you you do want to own some of those things long term. And you do want to build up those capabilities and the capacity to do those things. Otherwise, um, you're not going to be in a position to win. And so, you know, it just it's just something that you, know, you need to think about as, as you're going as a large corporation. Hmm. That does filter kind of down into serial one, but more in, more in the, I would say, more in the vein of, you know, like I said before, I think people, when they heard Harley was going to put out an electric bicycle, you know, I talked to a lot of people, even in the industry, they're like, well, They'll probably just go out and partner with someone and slap their name on it, right? Because Harley, let's be honest, Harley's done that a lot in the past for things that aren't necessary that aren't motorcycles. Um, they've been guilty of slapping their brand on more than a few things. Yeah, it's a, a big licensing game at Harley there. Yeah. So 
You know, and we didn't want to do that because, you know, as you as you as we went out and did the research and talked to customers and you and you listened to them, you know, they want something that's authentically from Harley Davidson. So we made the very conscious decision inside Harley Davidson to build the vehicle from the ground up. And so it was a our our initial team was a mashing of some Harley engineers uh, that had really open minds, some bicycle engineers that we that we you know took from the the industry, few young people that we had in on, on you know on the team too, just because they didn't really have any boundaries, <laughs> and it was good to put them in. <laughs> and you know we started sort of developing this concept of not only the product but the business internal to Harley, and I, I believe it was the first time in Harley Davidson where the entire separate business unit was set up separately. And so everything from engineering to design to manufacturing to marketing and sales was all under the one division which I was leading. And so that that you know had its own struggles. Um, but essentially we came to a point where you know we were about to launch the product and it, and you know we had a new CEO at Harley and it was like, you know, how are we really going to win in this space? And Yak and the new CEO really bought this culture of, you know, winning. Like, if, if we're going to do something, we're going to win. And so how do you win in this space? And, you know, when, when we had a lot of discussions about it, it was decided that, you know, we should spin this out into its own entity. Now, Harley is very much involved still. Um, you know, they still sit on our board. Uh, we still have marketing partnerships with them. We're using a vast majority of the Harley-Davidson dealer network. And as well as, you know, we still have great access to testing facilities that bicycle companies would only dream of having. And so using all of those, we kind of joke that we're, you know, we're in our parents' garage, <laughs> you know, building our own company. But at the same time, we need to spend Serial One out on its own and have it stand on its own as its own brand long term. All right, cool. How did you end up at Harley-Davidson? I was working on electric vehicles a lot. And um, this was... Quite a few years before Livewire, the electric motorcycle, you know, someone called me up and said, hey, hey, do you want to do some of those same types of things you've been doing at Ford, putting out the first electric vehicle, working on EV strategy? Why don't you come do that at Harley-Davidson? Hmm. Was that, and did so, you think they were joking at first? Or? <laughs> I kind of did. You know, I was like, well, does that, how does that make any sense? But, you know, as I got into it and got over there, there was a, and there still is today, very much a, a belief that you know, at least part of the future will reside in, in electric vehicles, including electric motorcycles and electric bicycles was in, you know, a separate extension from that. Right. And that was, um, I think you joined Harley Davidson about seven-ish years ago, and we're recording this in February 2021. So just to timestamp that for whenever people listen. But the live wire, which is Harley's electric bike, electric motorcycle, uh, I believe that debuted in 2019. So it took some time to get from, you know, you coming on and leading that program up to an actual e-motorcycle. Yeah, and I was mostly involved on the on the business strategy side. If you remember, people can probably remember the, the Livewire demo bike tours were quite a few years before the actual Livewire came out. I mean, there was there was a number of running vehicles that were being circulated around the U.S. and Europe trying to gather feedback. And that original motorcycle was put together. Very quickly, and in fact, Ben Lund, our, the Serial One Vice President of Product Development, was uh, you know had a major role on the technical side of, of doing that. And it was from an industry standard, putting that first demo motorcycle together was actually pretty fast. 
they did it in a number of months. We took the demo motorcycle out, got a lot of customer feedback, and then came back and really refined that motorcycle to where you see it today. Very cool. And then parallel to that, were you guys working on the e-bikes or was this sort of like, did the e-bikes come about because you saw some interest in the electric motorcycle? As we were looking at different avenues of expansion and in different places we could play, you know, in a corporate strategy group, what's fun is you're going to work on interesting projects. What's not fun is 80% of what you work on never sees the light of day. And, you know, and so I worked on a, a number of things that are confidential to Harley Davidson, but with the, the intent and purpose of reaching more people on two wheels with, with the Harley Davidson brand. And so about two and a half years ago, some folks in the corporate strategy group had sort of on the back of a napkin started talking about electric bicycles. We didn't, we did a lot of research on the space. And in fact, even a few members of the team that are still here were on the you know, initial investigation of looking at it from a Harley Davidson viewpoint on, on you know, one, how, why is this space growing? And then two, if this space keeps growing, what's it going to look like in 10 or 20 years? You know, if you look at a city or recreation in general, some folks that maybe would have originally bought a motorcycle maybe 10 years ago, the e-bike may be their, their new form of recreation or commuting. That, that might be the new form of transportation that that form takes. And at least at the time, we felt like it was intriguing enough to, for us to at least start investigating. And as we kept growing the business, kept getting further down the line from a product development standpoint, um, you know, we grew it into its own separate business unit over the last two and a half years before we finally uh, spun it out in, in November. Cool. Yeah. And just to make that crystal clear, Serial One is actually a separate, distinct company from Harley-Davidson now. But like you mentioned, you guys share resources and Kind of, I think you're you're playing together to try and build that future of e-mobility, whether it's motorcycle or bike. My, I grew up in Daytona Beach, so I saw Bike Week and Biketoberfest like all right. for all yeah. of my life, right? So my <laughs> stereotypical image of the Harley rider is this gruff old white guy with a beard and just kind of you mm-hmm. know rude and definitely not interested in a bicycle. And so I don't know what the if it was just all like a totally corporate suit environment internally but i just imagine that was a hard sell when there's you know a lot of other things that you could be putting your resources into like how was it tough to get buy-in to start this program well i think the first thing is to to dispel the myth of those are the people you maybe see at at biketoberfest and things and those are core customers and harley davidson loves those people all day long. But if you look at who's actually purchasing Harley-Davidson in general, it's very, it's much more diverse. Uh, there's more young people purchasing Harleys than, than there ever has been. And so, you know, you kind of mentioned, you kind of hit this on the, on the head at the beginning of the conversation. A lot of the people who, who customers we're talking to and the customers who are currently purchasing our, our bikes on pre-order, many of them own motorcycles. And, and many of them see this as a, another recreational toy or something they can, especially something they can do with another family member. Because if you think about motorcycling, you know, besides riding two up, it's not usually something you can do as a family, right? It's also something, if you look at Harley-Davidson's consumer base, they have a lot of people who purchase Harley-Davidson t-shirts, Harley-Davidson general merchandise, yet they don't ride a motorcycle. And many of them never will. And maybe they just don't have interest or they just don't see it as something they want to do. But an electric bicycle is much more attainable and accessible to that type of person 
they still get a vehicle that's fun that gives you sort of that that rush as you're as you're riding your electric bike and it's something again that they can purchase from harley davidson when they're not necessarily um you know on a motorcycle there's a lot of good the good paths there that cross that allow us to sell to both i would say your core harley davidson brand fans that are looking for an additional harley davidson purchase as well as folks who are just curious and interested in the brand but they've never had something accessible to them to purchase right so i imagine one benchmark for success might be when somebody actually gets a serial one tattoo next to their harley tattoo right yeah you gotta have one on each side (laughs) keep it balanced yeah all right so i looked it up and correct me if i'm wrong but i think in its heyday harley was selling something like 360,000 motorcycles a year but over the past few years that's dropped more to like 140 down to even like 125,000 units per year do you guys see bicycles as a way to revive interest in the brand alongside new things like the live wire and the pan america adventure bike um so again because we're a separate company now i won't speak for harley davidson but i can talk to my time there that there was always a they're always about adventure freedom of the soul, and they build machines that do that. I think that in some cases is a large touring motorcycle that they traditionally see people on. But you can also find that fun freedom and adventure in other forms, whether it be an electric motorcycle or or other vehicles that they might be working on. But certainly, again, an electric bike, for someone in a, in a city, it could unlock your city. For someone in a, in a, a more suburban area, Maybe it's it's you're adventuring around your city and around your town, and you're exploring more than you usually necessarily would without an electric bike. And most, like I said, most of these folks, at least some of them, are they're not traditional cyclists, so they're looking at an e-bike as either a form of commuting and transportation in the city, or as a recreational vehicle, you know, on the evenings and weekends. Okay, I want to kind of circle back to something you said earlier. You know, you mentioned while at Ford that the goal is to, as a motor company, be making the motor and be making those critical parts that set your brand and your product apart from the rest. But with e-bikes, it's everybody's basically choosing from, you know, Bros or Yamaha or Bosch or Shimano motor systems. I, I imagine Yamaha was probably not even ever on the table for a motor choice for Harley bikes. but how did you guys choose from the others and like, why not design your own system from scratch and kind of really like own that motor component as well? Yeah, it was a good, it's a good question. Ben Lund, who's our VP of product development will probably give you a better answer, answer. but from my perspective, you know, we, do, we didn't have unlimited resources, right? And you have to look at the industry. Again, we were set up as a business, a separate business unit internal to Harley and now external to Harley so that we could break the mold a little bit too. So when you look at the you know components on our on our bicycle, um, yeah, we do use the Bros motor. We tested a bunch of motors, and we 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 love the the, the intuition that the the Bros motor delivers, along with the quality that comes with Bros. And so we chose to to spend most of our resources on custom designing the battery. So if you look at if you look at our bikes. Most most e-bikes, you will find the battery either on the in, inside the down tube or some of them, you know, some will even put it behind the seat on a rack and there's just or they'll just just clip it onto the down tube. Right. And again, we designed the vehicle from the ground up 
using motorcycle design knowledge that, that says that, hey, if you have a large mass, you want to put that as low as you can and in the middle, in the center. And what that does is it, it gives you incredible handling. And so when people get on our electric bicycles who have actually rode other electric bicycles, the, usually the first one or two things they'll say is, it's so smooth, it handles so well, it, it feels so light. Even though it's not light, it feels light. And it feels like the bike is simply disappearing beneath them. Well, all of that's on purpose because of the engineering with the, that went into custom designing that battery to sink it as low in the frame as we could so that you have mass centralization just like on a motorcycle so that when you're cornering and when you're maneuvering, you don't have that weight of that battery up in the top two, which, you know, for, for all intents and purposes is a, a degrade your handling. Right. And then, yeah, looking at it, like people, I'll link to the post in the show notes for this episode so people can see our coverage of your bikes. Yeah, it looks like almost like a little, a, a tiny hump above the motor and crank cluster, whereas you have a relatively small down tube compared to most e-bikes that do hide it in there. Is it, so is that battery system hot swappable? If somebody were knew they were going out for a long ride, they could bring an extra battery with them? Or? Yeah, so if you look at the batteries, there's actually two sizes. There's the one that sort of pops out a little bit. Uh, that's 706 watt hours. And then the smaller battery, that's under 600 watt hours, is actually flush with the frame on a few of the other models. So again, the idea is you can take that battery and swap it between any, any serial one bikes, um, any of the current bikes or potentially future bikes. And the, the bikes right now come with two choices, depending on the model that you choose, uh, you can, the larger battery or the flush battery. Uh, with with the models like the Mosh. Very cool. All right, so I want to ask you about tire size because you guys are using 650B wheel size, mm -hmm. which is actually for commuter bikes. It seems to be kind of an anomaly. Like most people have gone ahead and gone with a bigger 600, or sorry, 700C, you know, like traditional 29 or, or road. But then also like a lot of motorcycles tend to use like a mixed wheel size layout and a lot of e-mountain bikes are now using the mixed wheel size layout. So what was the kind of thought process behind just using a fixed 650B with some pretty fat tires on it? Yeah, so we were really trying to optimize for not necessarily the core cyclist. So these, you know, our Schwabi Supermoto tires really, really allow you to sort of grab the ground. They're a little bit fatter, um, a little bit more stable, but at the same time, they give us the, the the speed characteristics that we want, and they look pretty awesome too. Yeah, they and they look cool, especially on the on the. If you look at the Mosh model, that that was uh, kind of had some influence from motorcycle and some influence from BMX punk music. Um, you know, you know that that tire in particular is is built to make that bike feel more playful, and so we we did want you know we do a lot of tire testing. Uh, we just don't spec tires. Uh, we do a ton of tire testing out on the Arizona Proving Grounds that Harley-Davidson owns, as well as the uh, the grounds in Milwaukee as well. And we really wanted tires that made you feel like you had more control, more stability, and they were more playful. And taking that from, again, a lot of motorcycle knowledge of testing tires, because a lot of people don't know, but when you design a motorcycle at Harley-Davidson, you tend to there's ten, they tend to be custom tires for every motorcycle. And we kind of try to take as much as we could that approach here as well. 
Right. Are these uh, custom from Schwalbe at all or stock uh, Supermotor? So there, there's some there's some elements that are custom, but you can get a similar tire from Schwalbe as well. Right. It's funny. I was actually just looking at those for to upgrade an e-bike that I have here. Okay. So another, I think, really interesting spec edition with you guys is the use of like a, a for most of the models anyway, kind of a... Um, uh, the rear drive mechanism. The, the yes, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I was spacing on that. But yeah, so it gives it like a single speed look with an internal or internally geared hub, but it's actually one speed. Like there's no shifter, but I imagine I've, with some of the systems, there is an adjustment where you can adjust the gearing just to change cadence. Is that, are you guys using that system as well? Yeah, that's correct. So this is the Ambiela automatic shifter. And again, the design kind of, feature here in the back of our minds was we're trying to allow the person to, um, as we talk to customers, you know, what do, what do you want? They want to enjoy the ride. To be honest, a lot, of, a lot of people don't think of this if you've been cycling for a long time, but it is actually a learning curve to learn how to shift and shift properly, right? Uh, well, if you have fact, kids, a lot you of people, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people actually never learn how to shift properly, right? And they just keep riding. And so part of our kind of mind space here after listening to these customers is we need to make this so easy that it shifts for them. Okay. And so when you get on one of the one of the premium rush bikes with the Ambiola hub, all you do is have to hop on and pedal and then the bike will shift for you. Now if you want to nerd out on it, you can get into the get into the app and you can change some things on the hub. Uh, but it, cool. you know it's an infinite hub and you can and, you know, I was just down in southern Utah riding these bikes over the weekend um, in Snow Canyon. And I'll tell you, with the hub, you can take hills and it's just so much more, I don't want to say real relaxing, but it's just more fun because the hub changes for you. And you're always in that desired cadence that you want. And you can adjust that cadence up or down or adjust the mood of the hub inside an app. But for a lot of our customers who are purchasing these bikes, they don't want to worry about knowing when to shift or how to shift. You just get on and pedal and enjoy, and you know the bike's going to shift for you. Yeah, it's pretty rad. All right, so this is kind of that nerd question from a cyclist who wants to know, like, what is that preset default cadence? Uh, I'm probably not going to reveal that here because, you know, we're <laughs> consistently looking at that. Um, right. But the cadence is adjustable inside the hub. Very cool. And then do they have varying levels of assist, too? Yeah, so we use, again, use the bros motor with the bros controller. So you, you've got four level assist plus off. So you can, you know, it's off and then all the way up from eco, sport, tour to boost mode. Sweet. And is there an option to turn on that Harley exhaust noise? Yeah, no. You know, we've had people <laughs> ask, how do I make him go vroom? And, um, you know, there's nothing on the bike right now that allows you to do that. So Not, nothing stock anyway. Um, another unique feature is for that that mosh city version which is a belt driven single speed and that that one has no variation or uh, cadence right like that is a true pure single speed yes correct what was the market research on that was it just keep it simple or no it was so that again all of our bikes have their own kind of character and that one was supposed to be stripped down i mean even the welds on that bike are very purposely chosen you know right. dime welds stripped down more for more of as a, as an urban play bike which we wanted to be a little lighter and if you think about being in an urban area um, a lot of urban areas are are a little bit flatter they still have hills and climbs and things but we thought 
to get the full use out of this bike at this price point, you don't you don't need a hub. And a single speed is actually a lot of fun to go rip around the city on. And so, you know, it's it's probably one of my most favorite models. Uh, when I take it out, it doesn't have the the you know the the range that that the rush has with the, with the hub on the back. But in a lot of urban areas, as you're kind of coming out of of, of traffic and riding on different surfaces. It's enough. I don't need any more than that. And so we really tried to strip that bike down to, to its core element. Very cool. All right. So I just have a couple more questions. You know, delivering on these was kind of slated as anything from spring through summer of 2021. Are you guys on schedule? Oh, uh, we are. And so, That's you know, we're amazing in this day. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's actually, it's, it's, it is a kind of a miracle, but that's one of our advantages that we'll have coming out of the gate. Uh, we're pre-selling, and of course, as we pre-sell more, our deliveries get later and later. But we will have bikes in the dealership soon for people to ride, and our dealers have demo bikes that people can ride. And then uh, we'll be delivering in the spring for every model except for the speed model. That's coming a little bit later in the summer. Nice. Yeah, was, my next question was, are these going to be sold through Harley-Davidson dealers or bike shops or both? Yeah. So our, our motto is, is meet the customer where they're at. And so again, one of our core customers is a Harley Davidson brand fan and, you know, they're going to want to go into the Harley Davidson dealer, test ride these bikes. You know, we have over a, you know, over 120 dealers that will carry these bikes and they can go in, touch, feel, test ride, get that white glove experience from the dealer and purchase the bike right there. And the dealer can uh, assemble the bikes a few days later. Or through doing our research and listening to customers, we will ship the bike to their home. And there's some minor assembly points that have to be made, which is the front wheel, the pedals, and the saddle. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, I think most anybody with a couple of sets of Allen wrenches could probably figure out. But well, we include the tools for you, Tyler, so you don't have to. Perfect. Very cool. Well, that was all the questions I have. Is there anything I didn't ask about this brand that's like super unique? Because like I didn't know about the app and the ability to adjust. Uh, you know the cadence through an app base because I'm used to the little twist shift on some of the Enviolo stuff. But yeah, what do what else might surprise somebody when they see one of these for the first time? So I think a couple of the things is what when when customers first walk up and see our bikes, they notice there's no cabling. All the cabling, just like a motorcycle, is routed through the frames, and so it gives you this very clean look. Uh, in addition to integrated lighting, if you look at our signature light on front, it has the the kind of the one logo. In our rear lighting and back, in the back is integrated into the dropouts. And those lights are, um, have an accelerometer in them, so they actually get brighter when you slow down like a car. So Very I think cool. people will kind of notice that. The other kind of cool feature that um, you don't really see a lot is because we moved the battery so far down in the frame, that left real estate in the down tube. And so in our rush models, there's a glove box. Uh, that's lockable right there so it's the same key that unlocks your battery you can unlock your glove box and throw your keys or your wallet in there or whatever it was built to hold an abus accordion lock nice but it's an extra feature that sometimes you don't you don't see on the bikes i would say the last thing again is for people who have ridden an electric bicycle i would invite them to just test ride one of ours because that low center of mass is something new for even people who have been riding e-bikes for a long time it really does give you the sensation and handling ability and more confidence, especially if you're a new rider. Very cool. You know, I did just think of something because, you know, Hayes has been a long time brake manufacturer in the bike industry, but also they make a lot of brakes for Harley, I believe. Mm -hmm. Are you guys specking Hayes brakes on these? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, had to ask. 
I mean, there, there's some components that are from, you know, again, being set up as a separate business unit, it's mostly a, a new supply base. If you look at our Gates carbon belt, um, yeah, motorcycles use Gates belts as well and a few other little things. But for the most part, um, you know, it's it's premium components from, you know, from the bicycle industry. We we didn't we wanted to develop a great bicycle first. And something that really has Harley DNA in it as well, and Serial One DNA now is more appropriate. But you know, the Serial One powered by Harley Davidson is supposed to be a marriage of design features and techniques that we usually use in motorcycling applied to on a on a white sheet to a bicycle that was built from the ground up, so that so that it handles better and so people can enjoy the ride more. Are you doing? You know, Harley's kind of a big made in America brand. And- has been for a long time. Are these bikes made in America or are there plans to do so? Uh, right now, you know, we followed industry standard and then, you know, we, we use a contract manufacturer just like most of the other big OEMs in the U.S. And of course, we always look at ways to bring, you know, any any work we can here. And so there's definitely an effort to do that. Cool. All right. Um, Jason, man, that was all I had. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. All right, Tyler. It was fun. Thanks for having me. So what do you think? Honestly, I'm kind of excited to try one of these bikes out, but what do you think? Would you ride an e-bike from Harley Davidson or more accurately, Serial One? If you'd like to see more about these bikes, their designs and specs, head over to bikerumor.com and search Harley, and you'll find the show notes for this episode plus past coverage of the brand. If you like this and you want more great interviews with the people behind the products and brands we all ride, Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And if you could, give us a quick rating and review. That really helps us grow the audience and keep getting amazing guests for you. Thanks a ton, and until next time, keep the rubber side down.